welcome to the Cinematologist podcast. I'm Neil Fox, and joining me as always, I'm delighted to say, is Dario Linares. Hello, Dario. Hello, Neil. We are back. It's uh, it's great to talk to you after you know, what's been a fairly long break over, over Christmas, but yeah, just ruminating on the new season, season 15, and, and getting back into it with you. Yeah, those those breaks between things are getting Lynchian in their length, aren't they? <laughs> no one ever knows when we're going to come back. Maybe we should take to Instagram with our kind of weird prophecies of when we're going to do stuff. Are we inventing slow podcasting? <laughs> slow to put things out, maybe, but, you know. <laughs> well, we've always been fans of the slow slow thinking, so maybe slow production is, is, is the next yeah. step. <laughs> but I think the break's been... Uh, the, the break has been good and i think it's uh, it's worth it's been worth waiting for this this episode for sure yeah absolutely i mean this one has been in the can for a little while but it's a, a big episode so this is a an interview with uh, the the scholar critic writer composer michel Chion, and you know a big name since the 70s really in film studies so we'll come to introduce that in full in a in a little bit but it's going to be a two-part episode because the uh, the interview is in french and english um so an interesting kind of approach again and it will be yeah i'm looking forward to, to to hearing any comments that we might get on the way that this kind of flows as an episode as much as anything else and what you think about that at the end but but just before we get to that i mean it's it's just been nice i think reflecting really on on the podcast after 15 seasons um, because we're we're writing a piece for for Mubi on film podcasting more broadly, and it's just been an interesting one to think about our podcast in relationship to other film podcasts, particularly. And there's still fundamental enjoyment that I have about the process of doing it. And it sounds maybe overly romantic and a bit artsy, but you know, it is the the sense of planning and the subject area subject areas we get into and the conversation itself and then the the kind of end product is still a almost a sort of bonus that, <laughs> that a podcast goes out and then people listen to it you know yeah absolutely i think you know i think that it's it's very much a creative endeavor in that spirit isn't it in terms of like you say that there's a there's an enjoyment that goes into the the whole process which is is lovely to find it's lovely to find an audience from that um mm. and uh but i think it's important you know say to my students all the time you know doing this stuff is difficult you know on a kind of technical level on a labor level it's it's quote unquote hard obviously hard is relative but uh but you have to enjoy it otherwise what's the point you know um you don't know how it's going to be received you don't know who's going to listen and that kind of thing so you have to enjoy the process of doing it and yeah even after 15 you know as we go into sort of season 15 it's more than ever enjoy this as part of my sort of creative and, and academic life for sure. And yeah, so obviously being invited to write a piece for uh, Mubi's new notebook, uh, sort of magazine journal that they're they're putting out um, was yeah was was just really nice to be to be asked to do that um, and to know that, that there's a kind of kinship with them and uh, you know that they they want what we do as podcasters and and, and academics and sort of scholars. Is, is is really nice and obviously personally you know writing for a beautiful print magazine and i got issue zero and it is absolutely stunning for those of you who listen to the independent magazines episode will know that that's a particular fetish of mine which i'm glad to be <laughs> involved in uh, even more yeah and it, it just gives us more motivation to go forward and this season coming up we've got you know interesting episodes well we hope we're going to be interesting episodes um we're doing a series on film education which is kind of provoked by feedback we got particularly from a bonus from our, um, some of our Patreon listeners on our discussions about film education and working in the university and the, the I don't know, the, the, the sensibility, let's say, of film students these days and, and our difficulty, but also how we can approach teaching film going forward. And, and so, you know, people have known we've reflected on that uh, quite a few times. And, and Neil, you've got a, a Bill Douglas episode coming up. Yeah, so I'm off. A week tomorrow, I'm off to the Bill Douglas uh, Archive and Museum in Exeter, recording an episode there, which is very exciting. So yeah, those are things we know about, and there's other things percolating. But guaranteed, it's going to be our usual mix of sort of ways of thinking about and looking at uh, film and sort of film culture, and uh, from all different angles. Yeah, before we get into the, the the interview, just just an apology first of all that we haven't got our newsletter out 
yet for the Patreon subscribers. It is coming, but it's probably going to be next week because um, we've both been overwhelmed with work and editing this episode. And, you know, just to say, if you if you do enjoy the podcast and want to consider supporting us as independent media, please consider um, joining us on Patreon. For as little as £2 a month, you get access to all of our bonus content, including the monthly newsletter, which, which will go out. Um, and this has a whole host of recommendations across the board not just film and there are various tiers with merch available going right up to an offer to actually uh, guest edit the show that's right or if you can rate and review the show in places like apple Podcasts, Podchaser, and good pods or share episodes that you enjoy on your social media it really does help expand the show if you've been paying attention to the last week with Neil Young versus Spotify, um, it will further let you know that uh, podcasting is being taken over by corporate money and celebrity voice. And while we don't like to be woe is us, uh, the independent creator is being sidelined. And as a result, the kind of diverse and interesting shows that make podcasting unique are finding it more difficult to gain an audience. Yes. Yeah, so any kind of support, whether, you know, if, if it's not financial, that's fine. We understand that. But any kind of sharing would be great. And get in contact with us because we always want to talk about comments that people have made on the show more and more. But yeah, Neil, let's uh, let's get into it, shall we? This is part one of a two-part episode in conversation with the scholar, composer and writer Michel Chion. From the late 70s onwards, Chion has been one of the major voices in film criticism and scholarship. It's his work really, I think, on film sound that he's most known for. Titles like The Voice in Cinema, Sound and Image in Cinema, and Audio Vision essentially defined the subfield of film sound analysis, I would say. But Sean also wrote for Cahiers du Cinema in the 1980s and has written books on the work of Jacques Tati, Andrzej Tarkovsky, Stanley Kubrick, and David Lynch. And before turning to cinema, Sean was a composer in the experimental school of mu music concrète. And he worked under Pierre Schaeffer, the godfather of avant-garde electronic music in France. And as you'll hear in the interview, continues to compose to this day. And when I contacted him, out of the blue really, so it was really great we managed to, to organize this. He asked, he was very happy to do the interview, but asked to answer in French, even though he does speak English. So this presented a kind of logistical problem, but an interesting one, I think, for, for podcasting to try and try and solve the, the translation. So I enlisted the help of a colleague of mine, Joanna Bramley, who is a music composer and performer in her own right. And she leads the Digital Music and Sound Arts program at the University of Brighton. And she was absolutely brilliant, I have to say, in translating you know just on the spot for us it was really magical and and sort of i think lent lent an interesting tone in itself to to the interview which was which was really great so as i say this is in two parts in french and english and um we're going to talk in detail neil and i at the end of part two so you can have a listen to both episodes and then you'll get neil's take at the very end but before we get there, Neil, I mean, you know, I've said before how much Sean is a kind of influence on, on my work, particularly as I was transitioning from film to podcasting and then got onto more into kind of thinking about film sound in the round when you're when you're analyzing films. But I don't know, is, is Sean somebody that has been on your radar for, for a, a long time as well? Only on the very periphery as a sort of name known. I've read some of his stuff on Lynch, which is great. And it's... yeah. It was really good to hear him sort of get into some Lynch stuff uh, in your conversation around, yeah, particularly around the idea of the void, which I just love. I think that's a really fascinating um, aspect of mm. of Lynch. But so the the conversation just kind of prompted me to think. Actually, I want I want to go and read some of this stuff. Some of it from a podcasting point of view. I think some of the stuff he's talking about in terms of the the voice and the body would be really interesting in sort of bringing into podcasting. Um, uh, sort of discussion, you know, from that kind of audio cinematic perspective that you've you've written about yourself, you know. So um, it was, yeah, it's it's he's a name that sort of popped around, and I've sort of shared bits of his stuff when I've taught little bits of sound in production because I'm when I was teaching sort of production on a very general scale, I wanted to try and bring in as much theory as possible. Much to my, you know, sort of, it was a fool's errand, you know, trying to give first year undergraduates. <laughs> theory when they want to go out you know a particularly theory in sound when all they want to do is pick up a camera and, and and run away with it so 
but I think it's necessary. And I think another thing that comes out of the conversation was just how his approach is the approach of, you know, what I would consider the most interesting and the best filmmakers, you know, that kind of very reflective, theoretical, analytical, but also instinctual approach, you know, a kind of very felt approach. I think his his examples that he uses, as BC is a Frozen fan, as someone who's been subjected to that a lot in the last two years. Oh, no, um, it's fantastic that. <laughs> you know, but he, he's open to the he's open to to cinema as a really broad space and is able to kind of go in and out and not be not you know it, it, there's a real kind of felt and instinctual approach which is then backed up with theory and analysis in a really interesting way so yeah i love the conversation um and it, it certainly made me think actually I, I would like to spend more time with his work which i think is always a good thing and the other thing obviously is that there is there's a clear relationship between his practice as a as a creator and as a scholar and our experiences of of higher education um which are clearly yeah. clearly global um uh, rather than just local, which again was 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 fascinating to see to to hear someone of that stature and that career battling with the same sort of practical and cultural issues that we face as well. So that was emboldening in a in a in a <laughs> in a slightly selfish way. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like ah, so it's not just us <laughs> moment in 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 the uh, in the interview. Yeah, so. Fantastic. Let's let's get into it then. So this is part one of my conversation with Michelle Shion. Please enjoy. So it's my great pleasure to welcome Michel Chion to the Cinematologist podcast, one of the foremost film theorists and a huge influence on my own work in both film and podcasting, particularly obviously around sound. Michel, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Um, and also thanks to my colleague, the sound artist, composer and performer, Joanna Bramley, for helping me with the questions and for doing the translation. Welcome, Joanna. Merci. Uh, so, Michel, I was actually just listening to La Vie en Prose on YouTube, and I was wondering, I was thinking that's the last composition you published, but are you continuing to compose new work now? Oui, c'est la dernière composition euh, éditée sur disque, mais euh, j'ai encore une euh, d'autres œuvres que j'ai composées ensuite qui ne sont pas encore éditées. Yes, it's my last composition that's been published on CD, but I've got some other compositions that haven't been published just yet. Et, euh, mais euh, j'ai décidé d'arrêter la composition de musique concrète cette année euh, et de faire une composition de l'ensemble de mes œuvres depuis 50 ans. Alors c'est un gros projet dont, euh, dont je pourrais parler plus en détail, so I've decided to stop composing Musique Concrète and decided to start putting together the last composition that I have done in the last 50 years. It's a large project that I could speak about in more detail. Mais ça serait peut-être un peu long, mais euh, j'ai composé, euh, par exemple, depuis 10 ans, une troisième symphonie qui est en fait une symphonie pour son et image. In the last 10 years, I've composed uh, a third symphony, which is a symphony for sound and image. Que j'appelle une symphonie audio-divisuelle. Which, uh, which I call a symphony audio-bivisual. Divisual, uh, sorry. Je vous en prie. C'était un néologisme que j'ai créé. It's a neologism that I created. En jouant sur visuel et le mot division. Uh, playing on um, the words visual and division. Parce que je pense que dans beaucoup de cas, le son et l'image ensemble ne créent pas seulement une, une addition ou une multiplication. Because in many cases, sound and image don't only create a addition or a multiplication. Mais aussi parfois des divisions de l'un par l'autre but also sometimes divisions from one to the other. 
Par exemple, euh, si vous voyez l'image de, de quelqu'un qui parle euh, sur l'écran, et en même temps, vous entendez un son off-screen, euh, les sons sont divisés en deux par ce qu'on voit. The sounds are divided in two from what you're seeing. Euh, une partie euh, in et une partie acousmatique, comme on dit. A part that's in and an acousmatic part, as you say. Et l'audio-division peut se produire aussi dans l'autre sens. L'image peut être divisée par ce que nous entendons. And the audio-division can occur uh, the other way around. The image can be divided from what we're hearing. Par exemple... Le son que nous entendons ponctue un détail particulier de l'image. For example, the sound that we are hearing are punctuating the, a particular detail in the image. Crée un focus sur une partie de cette image. And therefore creates a focus on a, a specific part of that image. Alors, ma troisième symphonie, donc, dont je parlais, audiovisuel. So the third symphony I was talking about, audio-divisual, which I composed uh, in 2016-17, utilise uh, toutes les sortes d'audio-division, mais uh, dans le cadre d'une composition analogue à celle d'une musique. Uses all these types of audio-division, but in the framework of an analogue composition in music. J'ai donné cette œuvre qui dure euh, une heure et demie plusieurs fois euh, en Australie. I have performed this piece uh, which is one and a half hours a few times um, in, uh, in Melbourne, uh, Sydney et aussi uh, à Auckland uh, en New Zealand et uh, avec des sous-titres anglais parce qu'il y a du texte. With uh, English subtitles, because there's text as well. Mais euh, l'œuvre est encore inédite euh, en, en DVD. But uh, it isn't out yet on DVD. Euh, par contre, euh, un, un DVD a été édité euh, d'une œuvre audiovisuelle de moi qui s'appelle La Messe de Terre. Uh, but a DVD is out uh, of my work, which is called La Messe de Terre, pardon, Michel? La Messe de Terre, Mass of Earth. Oh, Mass of Earth. French Broadcasting Corporation or a combination of the, the, the people involved who are interested in sound aesthetics and sound materiality? Euh, je crois que je comprends la question. <laughs> euh, moi, je suis né en 1947. I was born in 1947. Et la musique concrète est née en 1948. And musique concrète was born in 1948. Alors, je n'étais pas présent. <laughs> Mais euh, à la fin de, des années 40, il y a eu plusieurs inventions simultanées euh, de musique utilisant la technologie, euh, Music for Tape euh, aux USA, Electronische Musik en Allemagne. At the end of the 1940s, there's been a, a range of innovations around music using technology. So, music for tape in the States, electronische music in Germany. Et la musique concrète, qui est un terme inventé par Pierre Schaeffer. And music concrète, which was a term invented by Pierre Schaeffer. Ensuite, ces musiques sont devenues, en fait, un seul genre. And then, these musics became a, a sole genre.
Mais le problème est que dans le monde et même en France, il y a des appellations différentes. But the problem is in the world um, and in France, there are different appellations, uh, names or callings. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Definitions. Definitions, oui. J'ai cherché en France à, et même dans le monde à unifier les appellations euh, pour que l'on puisse euh, se mettre ensemble. I was uh, searching in France and also in the world to unify these uh, terms so that we can come together. Mais c'est difficile. Parce que nous sommes en France et les gens aiment bien se, se différencier. Mais c'est difficile parce que nous sommes en France et les gens aiment bien se Moi, j'utilise le terme de musique concrète parce que c'est le plus connu dans le monde. Et son sens n'a pas varié, n'a pas été, n'a pas dérivé. J'ai utilisé le terme musique concrète parce que c'est le plus connu et son meaning n'a pas dérivé, n'a pas dérivé à quelque chose par exemple, quand j'ai commencé moi-même à composer de la musique concrète, à l'époque sur bande magnétique, When I started composing music concrète on tape, c'est-à-dire au début des années 70, tout le monde disait couramment musique électroacoustique. At the start of the 1970s, everyone was using the term uh, music, uh, electroacoustic music. Et implicitement, cela voulait dire musique sur support, musique fixée sur support. And implicitly, that meant music that was fixed on a support. Mais quand la musique électroacoustique a été enseignée dans des conservatoires euh, de musique français, But when this music was being taught in um, the French conservatory, music conservatories, et euh, quand il y a eu euh, la création de l'IRCAM, l'institut créé par Boulez, and when IRCAM was created by Boulez, ils ont réservé l'appellation électroacoustique à la musique live électronique. They kept the name, the term electroacoustic music to uh, the broader live electronic music. Et ils ont souvent tendu à refouler, à mettre dehors ou à minimiser la musique sur support. And they would tend to reject or minimize the music uh, that was on support. Yeah. En 1976, j'étais encore membre du groupe de recherche musicale et j'ai interviewé le fameux compositeur Luciano Berio. En 1977, j'étais encore membre du GRM, groupe de recherche musicale, et j'ai interviewé le fameux compositeur Luciano Berio. Qui, à cette époque-là, devait travailler à l'IRCAM en tant que responsable du département électroacoustique. Qui, à cette époque, devait travailler à l'IRCAM. The res responsible, responsible um, as um, director, overseeing, yeah, director of the department of electroacoustic music. Berio m'a dit, dans trois ans ou quatre ans, on pourra faire en direct tout ce que vous faites avec euh, sur la bande magnétique. And Berio said, in three, four years, we will be able to do live everything that you're doing in tape. Et beaucoup de gens le croyaient. And Benny believed. Him. Moi, j'étais sceptique. I was skeptical. <laughs> Certaines choses, même aujourd'hui avec le numérique, ne peuvent être faites que sur un support, qu'en enregistrant. Many things in the digital world can still only be done with a support, uh, with a recording. Et c'est plus confortable et on peut mieux contrôler les images et les sons. It's more comfortable and you can control better sound and image. Et... Euh, en tout cas, à la fin des années 70, l'appellation musique électroacoustique en France n'était plus claire pour beaucoup de gens. So, at the end of the 1970s, the term electroacoustic music in France wasn't as clear-cut for many. Alors, le directeur du GRM, François Bell, so the director of uh, the GRM, François Bell, qui a pris sa retraite plusieurs années ensuite, a proposé l'appellation musique acousmatique, who retired a few years after, suggested the term acousmatic music, spécifiquement pour la musique sur support, specifically for music on support. Moi, je trouve, je pouvais adopter cette appellation, qui était adoptée d'ailleurs euh, un peu en Belgique. 
um, I could adopt this term, which was uh, used in Belgium, for instance. Un peu aussi euh, par le compositeur britannique Denis Mollet et aussi euh, au, au Québec euh, grâce à, à Francis Daumont. Uh, also by the British composer Denis Mollet and also in Quebec um, thanks to Francis Daumont. Mais ce terme avait, à mon avis, deux inconvénients. Le premier, c'est que le mot acousmatique n'est et dans très peu de dictionnaires. Il faut expliquer à chaque fois euh, ce que ça veut dire. But the term had two disadvantages. The first is the term acousmatic is, is in very few dictionaries. You have to always explain what it means. Le, à la fois le mot acousmatique et le genre musique acousmatique. So at the same time, the term acousmatic and also the style, the genre music acousmatique. Et le deuxième défaut était que les, les adeptes de cette appellation voulaient considérer la musique euh, avant 1970 comme un autre genre. And the second difficulty or disadvantage was that the followers, adepts of the uh, term, wanted to define music pre-1970s as a different style, as a different genre. Ils ont coupé le lien historique. They cut the historical link. Et il y a eu des, des ouvrages euh, généralistes sur la musique électroacoustique. There's been um, writings uh, on uh, general writings on electroacoustic music. Écrit par moi entre 1976 et 1982. Written by myself in uh, between 1977 and 1982. Après moi. Personne n'a pris la suite. But after this, after me, nobody took, took the lead on, no, nobody followed through with this. Et c'est un grave problème euh, de continuité historique. And it is a deep problem of um, um, historical continuity. C'est aussi lié au fait que beaucoup de gens ont cru que l'ordinateur, le, le computer, qui est devenu de plus en plus employé dans les années 70 et ensuite popularisé dans les 80s. It's also due to the fact that many people believe that the computer, which was becoming more and more used in the 70s and popularized in the 80s, allait changer totalement la, cette musique-là. Was going to completely change this music. Je ne crois pas. I don't think so. Et je pense que c'est dommage d'avoir cassé la continuité historique. And I think it's a shame to have broken this uh, historical continuity. C'est comme si l'on apprenait aujourd'hui le cinéma, qui aujourd'hui est fait avec, le avec euh, des caméras numériques, en ignorant ce qui est fait sur pellicule. It's like if you learn uh, cinema which is made on digital cameras, whilst ignoring what has been done on film. Or, le cinéma a gardé l'appellation cinéma. Les films s'appellent toujours des films. Whereas cinema has kept the term cinemas, films are still called films. Cela constitue une histoire continue. It, it uh, presents a continuous, continuous history. Alors, à la fin des années 80, j'ai écrit tout seul et publié avec euh, des amis. So in the late 80s, I wrote uh, uh, myself, but published with friends. Uh, un petit livre qui s'appelle The Art of Fixed Sounds qui n'a pas été traduit encore en anglais. Uh, a short book called The Art of Fixed Sounds, which hasn't yet been translated in English. Où je définis l'art dont nous parlons comme l'art des sons fixés. Where I define this art, art that we're talking about as fixed art. C'est-à-dire uh, des sons fixés. Sorry, as um, uh, fixed sounds, sorry. <laughs> uh, je vous en prie. Uh, je dis fixer plutôt qu'enregistrer, car ce qui est important, ce n'est pas le recording. I say fixed instead of recorded, because what's important is not the recording. Le fait que quelque chose est fixé sur un support. But the fact that something is fixed on a support, on a platform. Je prends au hasard, je prends au hasard euh, une image sur un, sur un disque. On peut considérer cette image de deux façons. L'enregistrement de, de, de ce qui s'est passé quand on a photographié et dessiné. 
I take at random a, um, an image on a CD, on a disc, we can consider the image on the CD in two ways. The uh, recording of what happened when um, the image uh, was taken. Donc, comme un recording. Like a recording. Ou bien, d'une autre façon, comme un objet qui ne bouge pas. Ce disque, je l'ai depuis plusieurs années. Or, in another way, as, as an object that doesn't move. This uh, CD I've had for uh, a few years. L'image n'a pas bougé. <laughs> the image hasn't moved. Et c'est ça l'art des sons fixés pour les sons. And this is, uh, this is the art for fixed sounds. Et donc, à la fin des années 80, j'ai fait deux choses. J'ai défini la musique concrète comme l'art des sons fixés. So, in the end of the 80s, I, I did two things. I defined musique concrète as uh, fixing, uh, fixing sound, the art of fixing sound. Et j'ai proposé d'appeler cet art musique concrète. And I suggested, I proposed to call this art musique concrète. Indépendamment de toutes les techniques. Independently from all the different techniques. Cela peut être fait sur bande magnétique, sur computer, ou en 1950 ou en 2020. It can be made on tape, on computer, or in the 50s, or 2020. Peu importe. Doesn't matter. C'est le même genre. It's the same type, genre. Même genre, voilà. Ouais. Euh, mais comme je n'appartiens pas à une institution euh, officielle, je, je suis une voix isolée. As I don't belong to an official institution, I'm an isolated voice. Peu de personnes en France ont, ont suivi ma suggestion. A few people in France have followed my suggestion. Donc, pour moi, les deux atouts de l'appellation musique concrète. So, for me, the two advantages of the term musique concrète. C'est premièrement que cela nous relie au début de cette musique, 1948. Is that it links us back to the start of this music in 1948. C'est un seul fil historique. Uh, a, a historical thread. Qui se continue, il va se continuer dans le futur. Which will carry on in the future. Et le deuxième avantage, c'est que musique concrète est traduite dans des dizaines de langues. And the second advantage is that musique concrète is translated in dozens of languages. Il, y a, il a une place dans beaucoup de dictionnaires. It has a place in many dictionaries. Is the potential for what you call the art of fixed sounds, the reason there is, apart from the fact that the, the continuity with the past has been broken, as, as you said, what, what do you think about the ubiquity of the use of technology, say, for commercial purposes, but even more broadly, the way that, that young people today with their technologies seem to do that just as part of their everyday life. Does the fact that that continuity is broken, is that because it's just become everything that people do with, with, their, with their phones and their computers? Does that make sense? I don't know if... I... Yes, yes. I, I think I understand the question. No, à mon avis, ce n'est pas, pas la raison. À mon avis. I don't think this is the reason, in my opinion. Beaucoup de gens peuvent filmer avec leur téléphone. Many people can film with their phones. Mais ils savent qu'il y a un art qui s'appelle le cinéma. But they know that there's an art that's called the cinema. Qui peut être fait avec un téléphone portable. Which can be made with a mobile phone. Et parce que le cinéma a une histoire euh, riche et diverse. Au-delà des différences techniques. Because cinema has a rich and diverse history beyond the technical differences. Et au-delà de la question de la, de la popularisation des moyens. And, and beyond the popularization of the different means. Donc on peut faire de très bons films avec un téléphone portable. So you can do very good films with a mobile phone. Car euh, la qualité d'un film, ce n'est pas seulement la définition de l'image, le nombre de pixels, mais la forme et la construction. The quality of a film isn't just the definition of the image, but form and construction. 
la narration, le cadre, le, le, le rapport entre ce qu'on entend et ce qu'on voit. Narration, frame, the relationship between what you see and what you hear. Et ce sont les œuvres cinématographiques qui le montrent tous les jours. And it is the cinematographic pieces that show this every day. Et, et donc, euh, beaucoup de gens maintenant ont les moyens de faire euh, de la musique concrète, plus qu'avant. So many have the means, the ability to make music concrète today more than they used to be. Ils ont les outils, mais souvent ils ne savent pas comment les utiliser. They've got the tools, but often they don't know how to use them. Parce qu'il n'y a pas assez d'enseignement là-dessus. Because there's not enough teaching around this. Souvent, l'enseignement est uniquement consacré euh, au, à Pro Tools et aux logiciels, enfin, au, au, euh, comment euh, utiliser les, les plugins et des choses comme ça. Very often, education around this is focused on the technology, so how to use Pro Tools or different programs and how to use the technology. Mais pas, pas assez d'enseignement n'est fait sur l'esthétique, la forme et aussi la création de son devant un micro. But not enough of this education is focusing on the aesthetic of form and the creation of sound with a microphone. Et j'ai écrit des textes pour décrire mes propres techniques avec le magnétophone, avec le computer. Uh, I wrote some text to define some of my own techniques with the tape, computer. Ou, euh, et aussi euh, ce que j'appelle le tournage sonore, c'est-à-dire euh, la création des sons devant des micros. And what I called sound recording, which is the creation of sounds uh, with microphones. Euh, je ne dirais pas exactement sound recording, mm. pardon, mais sound shooting. Sound shooting, thank you. Euh, puisque c'est une opération créative. Because it's a creative... Um, Process or... Opération process, thank you. Euh, le tournage d'un film, euh, c'est pas seulement mettre en route une caméra. Uh, shooting a film isn't just turning a camera on. Mais c'est créer des éléments qui seront devant cette caméra. But it's creating elements that will be in front of this camera. Et c'est pour ça que j'ai créé l'expression en français de tournage sonore. And this is why I use this term in French of tournage sonore, or sh sound shooting. Exactement. Pour dire que ce n'est pas seulement un enregistrement. Mais là encore, il faut que les, les gens aient des exemples et un enseignement. To say that it's not just a recording. But again, people will need to have examples and education around this. J'ai fait dans cet appartement où je suis, euh, avec ma femme, on a fait des, des cours euh, de musique concrète. Um, I, in the apartment that I'm in, me and my wife have done uh, lessons in musique concrète. Mais dans le cadre de petits stages. Euh, But within a small, small courses. Mais euh, dans les classes officielles, personne ne s'occupe de ça. But in official uh, classes, nobody is dealing with this. It sounds like something that we are speaking to our students about a lot at the same time, Joanna. Would you agree about discussing the, the difference between technical understanding and then artistic creativity? You know? Absolutely. Oui. Mm. Maybe we could move on to talking a little bit about your transition to writing and thinking specifically about film. And in fact, when I asked that question... Was there a specific moment when this happened? I mean, obviously, you were always interested in film, but was there a sort of um, a catalyst, a reason for focusing particularly on film, maybe in the 70s? Oui, oui, tout à fait. C'est grâce à Pierre Schaeffer, grâce à son intervention personnelle. Absolutely. It's thanks to Pierre Schaeffer, due to his personal intervention. À la fin des années 70, euh, je n'avais pas de travail parce que je venais de démissionner du groupe de recherche musicale. At the end of the 70s, I didn't have a job, I didn't have work because I just quit the groupe de recherche musicale. Dans ce groupe, j'avais des contrats à, à mi-temps, half-time. In that uh, group, I had part-time contracts. Mais ce n'était pas grave car... Euh, euh, à ce moment-là, la vie à Paris n'était pas chère. 
but it didn't matter because life at that time in Paris wasn't too expensive. À la fin des années 70, donc Pierre Schaeffer a été contacté par euh, le directeur de l'école de cinéma nationale, l'IDEC. So in the late 17s, Pierre Schaeffer was contacted by the director of the um, uh, cinema, the National Cinema School, l'IDEC. Qui veut dire Institut des Hautes Études Cinématographiques. Which means Institute of uh, High Studies of... Mm -hmm. of oui. For, for cinéma. Uh, of higher education, maybe. Mm -hmm. Et uh, on lui avait proposé de, de parler du son au cinéma. And he was asked to talk about sound in cinema. Et il a dit, moi je n'ai pas le temps, mais peut-être Michel Chion peut être intéressé. And he said, I haven't got time, but maybe Michel Chion might be interested. <laughs> en fait, j'avais fait un film en 75. I did a film in 75. Un petit film, pellicule Super 8. A, a short film on Super 8. That's le grand ne ne nettoyage. Voilà, c'est ça. <laughs> Et... J'avais pu moi-même faire les images, les sons et expérimenter les rapports euh, entre les deux. And so I did myself uh, the sound, the image and experimentation around the relationship between the two. Et ça me donnait déjà une expérience concrète. And it gave me a concrete experience. Alors donc, j'ai commencé à enseigner le son au cinéma à l'IDEC. I started teaching sound and, move, and moving image at l'IDEC. Mais je n'ai jamais eu de, de, de poste, de job régulier nulle part. Même à l'université où j'ai été refusé trois fois en France. But I didn't have a regular job uh, anywhere. Uh, nor at the university where I was rejected three times in France. Donc, à l'université, j'ai toujours eu des contrats de trois ans à mi-temps. At university, I always had contracts that were part-time uh, across three years. Et donc, euh, en travaillant à l'IDEC euh, quelques, quelques semaines par an, j'ai utilisé mon expérience euh, pratique du son et de l'image, mais aussi ma connaissance du cinéma, de l'histoire du cinéma, As I was working at Lidec a few weeks per year, I used my practical experience of sound and image, but also my knowledge of the history of cinema. Et enfin, j'ai utilisé les premières vidéocassettes. And I used the first vidéocassettes. Qui commençaient à être euh, commercialisées à cette époque pour regarder, étudier des films qui passaient à la télévision which was starting to go um, in the market at that time, to watch and study films that would go on TV. Et parfois, des films de, de Fritz Lang, des films de, de, de Robert Bresson. And sometimes uh, Fritz Lang or Besson films. Uh, Robert Bresson. Robert Bresson, pardon. Et euh, mm -hmm. étudier, ça, par exemple, ça consistait à apprendre une séquence And studying this would consist of taking a sequence, for instance. Voir ce qui se passe si on coupe le son, ou voir inversement ce qui se passe si l'on écoute seulement le son sans regarder l'image. 
and observe what happens if you cut the sound and to see as well what would happen if, uh, so to the inverse, to see if uh, what happens if you just hear the sounds but not see the image. Et donc, observer la, le jeu combiné des sons et des images. And so observe this combined game of sound and image. Donc, moi, je travaille beaucoup par l'observation. So I work mainly around observation. Et je reproche à beaucoup de, de gens qui ont écrit sur le cinéma de ne pas observer. And my criticism of some people who have written about cinema is that they don't observe enough. Par exemple, des philosophes comme Gilles Deleuze. For example, philosopher, philosophers like Gilles Deleuze. Ce sont des idées euh, ingénieuses. They are genius ideas. But there's too little observation. Mais il y a trop peu d'observation. Et, euh, et donc, grâce à Pierre Schaeffer, j'ai pu commencer une nouvelle activité. So, thanks to Pierre Schaeffer, due to Pierre Schaeffer, I could start a new activity. Ensuite, euh, je suis allé voir la revue mensuelle Les Cahiers du Cinéma. À l'époque, cette revue cherchait à trouver de nouveaux collaborateurs. And I want to see the revue... The, monthly magazine Les Cahiers du Cinéma. The magazine was looking at the time for new collaborators. Mon idée au départ c'était d'écrire seulement sur le son au cinéma, mais le, le rédacteur des Cahiers, Serge Toubiana, Initially I just wanted to write about sound in cinema, but um, the editor of the Cahiers, Serge Toubiana, m'a dit est-ce que vous voulez pas écrire aussi des critiques de cinéma But wouldn't you write, want to also write uh, critiques? Okay, et ainsi j'ai commencé à, à être critique et j'ai écrit dans la revue pendant six ans et j'ai commencé à écrire et à publier des livres. So I agreed, so I started to be a critique, a film critic. I wrote in the magazine for six years and I started to write and publish books. Et... J'ai eu beaucoup de chance parce que cette période était une période très dynamique pour les livres sur le cinéma. I was very lucky because this time period was very dynamic for films on cinema. Et à la fin des années 80, j'ai proposé à un ami qui s'appelle Michel Marie. So at the end of the 80s, I suggested to a friend called Michel Marie qui dirigeait une collection sur le cinéma chez un éditeur, euh, chez l'éditeur Nathan. Who directed a collection on cinema in the, uh, the publisher's Nathan. D'écrire un livre de synthèse sur l'audiovision. To write a synthesized book on audiovision. C'est une expression que j'ai créée à l'époque pour montrer la solidarité des deux. It's a term that I created at the time to show the solidarity of both que ce ne sont pas juste, c'est pas juste une addition de deux messages, That is not just an addition of two messages, mais une combinaison assez complexe comme une chimie, but a complex combination like chemistry. Et euh, ce livre a été publié et grâce à une amie euh, euh, américaine, euh, Claudia Gorman. So the book was published thanks to an American friend, Claudia Gorman. Et grâce aussi aux éditions euh, Columbia University Press à New York, il a été traduit en anglais et ensuite dans une dizaine d'autres langues. And thanks to the Columbia University Press in New York, it's translated in English and uh, a dozen of other languages. Et donc j'ai la chance d'être beaucoup traduit. Uh, I'm lucky to be translated a lot. Surtout parce qu'aujourd'hui, par contre, mes livres ne se trouvent plus en français. Especially because today my books can't be found in French. Car l'éditeur des Cahiers du Cinéma a abandonné la distribution. Because the Cahiers du Cinéma editor abandoned the distribution. Et ne m'envoie plus, ne, me, ne répond plus à mes lettres. And doesn't uh, get back to my letters anymore. Et ne paye plus les droits qu'ils me doivent and doesn't pay me my royalties that they owe me. Et certains de mes livres euh, publiés au Cahier du Cinéma and some of the books that were published at the Cahier du Cinéma se trouvent maintenant sur Amazon euh, enfin d'occasion are, are found on uh, Amazon 
uh, second hand. Mais je ne, je ne touche pas de, de droit, bien sûr. But I don't get any rights, of course. Donc, euh, j'ai eu de la chance. So I was lucky. There's loads there that I want to kind of pick up on, but um, maybe I'm going to definitely come to, obviously, audio vision in a, in a second. Uh, yeah, and I want to talk a little bit about the theory, practice kind of combination in teaching. But I suppose thinking about what you said in terms of making your your first film there that you were talking about, Grand Nettoyage, if, if that's pronounced cor correctly. And to me, when I was watching it, it's a really surrealistic film. You know, it's got a feeling of the uncanny. So I was wondering, in terms of your sort of move into writing and teaching on, on film, theorizing film, because this was in the 1970s and period of when psychoanalytic film theory is very popular or becoming more popular. And then we have Marxist film theory and feminism and linguistics. Were all these things influential to your, the context in which you were thinking about sound and, and cinema? Were, were the kind of elements of all of these things influencing you? Pas, pas dans les années 70. Not in the 70s. <laughs> no. Sauf euh, à la fin des années 70, euh, euh, j'ai commencé à lire euh, Lacan. Uh, at the end of the 70s, I started to read Lacan. Et um, l'auteur euh, d'un livre sur la voix qui s'appelle Denis Vasse. And a writer of a book around about the voice called Denis Vasse. Denis Vasse. Denis Vasse. Yes. Exactly. Unfortunately, I guess it's not possible to, to find his book uh, no, even in France. C'est un très bon livre sur le rapport entre la voix et le corps. It's a very good book about the relationship between the voice and the body. Et cela m'a beaucoup servi pour écrire la voix au cinéma. It was very beneficial for me to write about the voice in cinema. Mais pendant les années 70, je ne lisais pas les cahiers du cinéma personnellement. Euh, J'ai commencé à les lire euh, en 78-79. In the 70s, I wasn't personally reading les cahiers du cinéma. I started to read them towards 78-79. Donc, euh, je ne les ai pas lus pendant la période maoïste. I wasn't reading them toward, in the maoist period. <laughs> Mais même dans cette période, il y avait des articles intéressants. Par exemple, euh, les analyses de Raymond Bellour euh, sur des séquences de films. In that period, there were interesting articles. For example, an analysis of um, uh, Raymond Bellour on certain film sequences. Et c'était... Il ne parlait pas du son. He, he wasn't talking about sound. Mais il faisait une analyse très précise et très fine de, de l'espace et du montage. But they did a very precise uh, analysis of uh, space and uh, editing. Et ces, ces textes qui sont très précis, qui ne sont pas des textes généraux, mais des textes très précis sur des séquences, m'ont beaucoup apporté. And uh, these texts that were very precise, not generous, but very precise on different sequences, um, were very beneficial to me. C'était très paradoxal parce qu'à cette époque, il était difficile d'étudier une séquence de film. It was very paradoxical because at that time it was difficult to study a sequence of a film. Il fallait trouver une copie 35 mm ou 16 mm. You had to find a copy, a 35 mm or um, 16 mm copy. Trouver une table de montage pour faire cette observation. Aujourd'hui, tout le monde a des centaines de films. Find a uh, editing table to be able to make the observations. Today, everyone has hundreds of films. Euh, sur DVD, sur euh, des files. On DVDs, on files. Et on n'apprend pas aux gens à observer 10 minutes. And we don't teach people how to observe for even 10 minutes. Précisément. Precisely. C'est ce que j'ai fait. Euh, en 1980, This is what I did in 1980. En étudiant de manière très très précise euh, les films de Hitchcock, de Bresson, de Fritz Lang. By studying in a very precise manner films by Hitchcock, Bresson, Fritz Lang. Et 
Par la suite, beaucoup d'autres films. And after that, many other films. I wanted to follow up a little bit there on on the voice because this this week um, I'm teaching students sound, the theories of sound, and we're going to focus on the voice rather than everything. And I was thinking about this notion of the voice as object rather than the voice as part of the soundtrack or the voice as just a delivery mechanism for information. So m maybe you could sort of talk about that insight and the, the way that you see the, the human voice structuring everything about the, the cinema, the vococentrism. Là encore, euh, cette idée que la voix structure l'espace sonore autour d'elle. So, once again, this idea that the voice structures the sonic space around it m'a été suggéré par deux de sources. Was suggested by two sources. D'une part, Hitchcock euh, disant à François Truffaut For, for one part, Hitchcock uh, saying to François Truffaut, Quand je dessine un, un plan, quand je fais un storyboard, j'indique d'abord la place du visage dans le cadre, parce que c'est ce que l'on va regarder en premier. When I do a storyboard, I place the, um, uh, the face in the frame, because this is what you're going to look at first. La deuxième source d'inspiration, c'est une phrase de Christiane Sacco, So the second source of inspiration, it's a phrase from Christian Sacco, à qui le livre La Voix au Cinéma est dédié, whose um, La Voix au Cinéma is dedicated to, la présence d'un corps humain structure l'espace qui le contient. So the presence of a human body structures the space that embodies it. Et donc j'ai associé ces deux idées. So I brought together these two ideas. Et j'ai suggéré que la présence d'une voix humaine And I suggested that the presence of a human uh, voice euh, structure l'espace sonore qui la contient. Structures the sonic space that contains it. Et c'est ce que j'appelle vococentrisme. And this is what I called uh, vococentrism. Vococentrism. L'être humain ne peut pas s'empêcher d'être vococentriste. D'ailleurs, l'être humain entend des voix partout. And the human being, human beings cannot uh, prevent themselves from being vococentrists. Human beings hear voices everywhere. Uh, il est tenté d'entendre des voix dans l'eau, dans le, dans des objets, et bien sûr dans le vent. They are tempted to hear voices in water, in objects, and of course in wind as well. Donc, uh, mon livre La Voix au cinéma. Euh, si le titre était plus précis, aurait pu s'appeler « La voix et le corps au cinéma ». So, my book, La voix au cinéma, if the title was more precise, could have been called « The voice and the body in cinema ». Puisque, en observant certains films, j'ai vu que l'effet de la voix... Because by observing certain films, I saw that the effect of the voice est lié au caractère visible ou invisible du, du corps émetteur de la voix. Is linked to the visible or invisible character of the body that emits the voice. Et donc, euh, notamment, le film Psycho de Hitchcock. Uh, so, for instance, Psycho by Hitchcock. Ou certaines séquences de films euh, comme Kiss Me Deadly de, de Haldrich. Or certain sequences of films such as Kiss Me Deadly by Aldrich montre que la voix peut hanter l'écran, se promener dans l'écran. Show that the voice can haunt the screen, can walk around in the screen. En gardant un caractère magique et fantomatique jusqu'au moment où le corps est complètement inclus dans, dans le champ whilst keeping a magical and ghostly character until the body is completely um, in, ingrained, involved in the... The, feed, the visual frame. The visual frame. In the frame. I expected someone like you. What did you expect? 
assassin. I'm a soldier. You're neither. You're an errand boy. Sent by grocery clerks. To collect the bill. Et c'est une remarque intuitive. It's an intuitive remark. Mais j'ai eu un grand plaisir euh, le jour où j'ai interviewé Walter Murch. Uh, it was very enjoyable the day that I interviewed Walter Murch. Euh, chez lui en à Bolinas en Californie. At his house in California. Euh, il m'a dit j'avais un problème avec Apocalypse Now. He told me he had a problem with Apocalypse Now. Il sentait que le, le premier montage ne fonctionnait pas complètement. He felt that the first edit didn't work quite well. Car il était responsable principal du montage. Because he was the main director of the uh, edit. Dans ce film, la voix de Kurt, donc de Marlon Brando, in this film, Kurt's voice, so Marlon Brando, fonctionne comme ce que j'appelle un accousmètre, c'est-à-dire un être acousmatique works as an acousmeter, so a acousmatic um, being. Exactly. Mais il n'était pas satisfait du montage parce que avant Kurt se soit tué, But he wasn't happy with the edit because before Kurt died, enfin, il, est, il est tué par euh, Marlowe. Uh, killed by Marlon, yeah. Mar Marlowe. Marlon, Marlon. Marlon, n'est-ce pas? Non, excusez-moi. Il avait monté un plan de, de Marlon Brando en entier, from top to, uh, to bottom, dans l'image. Uh, he edited a, fr a frame of, um, of Marlon from top to bottom. Avant qu'il ne soit tué. Before he, he was killed. Voilà. Trop avant. Uh, much before he was killed. Et il m'a dit, votre livre, La Voix au cinéma, And he said, your book, uh, La Voix au cinéma, qu'il avait lu en français, car il lit euh, le français et l'italien, which he had read in French, because he reads French and Italian, m'a fait comprendre que c'est la question du corps en entier. Contenu dans le visual frame. It made me understand that it was about the body in its entirety, that is contained in the visual frame. Qui est le moment précis où l'acousmètre cesse d'être un acousmètre. Which is the precise moment where the acousmeter stops being an acousmeter. Donc, Kurt cesse d'apparaître un peu, un peu divin, un peu magique, sorcier. So court stops appearing, uh, appearing uh, divine, magical, um, otherworldly. Et d'ailleurs, euh, Murch avait réalisé un film euh, qui est une, euh, une séquelle du, du Wizard of Oz, qui s'appelle Return to Oz. So Murch had directed a film which was a sequel of The Wizard of Oz, which is called Return to Oz. Et dans le premier Wizard of Oz avec Judy Garland, le magicien, le faux wizard est démasqué car on montre son corps. In the first Wizard of Oz with Judy Garland, the magician, the false wizard, is um, démasqué. Démasqué? Unmasked. Um, Unmasked, un merci, thank you. Et donc, en fait, il avait un rapport lui-même avec le, la cousmètre. So he had a relationship himself with the acousmètre. D'ailleurs, dans le premier long-métrage de George Lucas, euh, THX1138, il y a des acousmètres. In the first full feature of George Lucas, there are acousmètres. Mais euh, moi, j'ai fait la théorie de ce qui existait déjà. I looked at the theory that was already existing at the time. J'ai théorisé, mais euh, j'ai mis des mots sur des choses qu'on faisait déjà. I defined words of things that were already occurring, mechanisms that were already occurring.
So that was the first part of my conversation with Michelle Chion. Part two is already available and at the end you will hear Neil's and my reflections on the interview as a whole. So this has been the Cinematologist podcast. Thanks for listening.